I'm Frankie French. And I'm Stephen Campbell. And we're the nonprofits. We're taking a week off this week for the holidays. However, we got an episode that we're real pumped about um, that is just as applicable today as it was when we recorded it just a couple months ago. It's about allyship, and it features some amazing comedians, actors, uh, my, my brother-in-law who's a lawyer, and my sister. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, <laughs> do all that shit. And then if you like it, which you will, tell a motherfucker to tell a motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah, this episode actually features Alice Wetterland, who you can see currently on the Sci-Fi Channel on the show Resident Alien. So also go check that out. Uh, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Hey! Hey! It's the nonprofits, and we nailed that one. We, you know what, Stephen? This is the first time that I can honestly say you were in sync, you were in rhythm, you did a good job. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> my name is Stephen Campbell. And my name is also Stephen Campbell, which is very weird. It's not. People that are just listening to this on audio can't see if you have a name tag under you. That's, That's right. And so if you're listening to me on audio, let me clarify. On my birth certificate, I am legally Stephen Campbell. <laughs> Correct. <That is laughs> so much synergy between our two parties because we have identical names. True. But people sometimes call me Frankie French. What's going on, Stephen? How was your week anything new exciting different i i um i think i'm growing into this mustache i think i'm i think i'm actually going to it would started kind of ironically i've got three compliments and that's pretty much all it takes from for my my ego to completely morph and now agree with those three individual people <laughs> well you know you only need three data points to draw a conclusion you know and, that right Three, if that's all, that's what the whole episode's about, <laughs> is, is three data points is all you need to draw a conclusion about a whole group of people. That's it. That's all you need. Three data points. Nailed it. So I just, at this point, I, I feel like we can just call it a stash, right? I don't, uh, I, think, no? I think I still need three more data points. On that? We'll, we'll that? Get a, let's poll our panel later at the end of the show and, and we'll ask if we should call it a mustache because that's kind of bossy, right? It's like, it's a mustache. You, it must, you know what I mean? Like it's very manny, you know, like man, like you're mansplaining your facial hair to me. Like this is a must stash. I, I have to stash. I feel like anybody that abbreviates their own, their own names, their own properties, their own thing. Body hair. So I shouldn't call my genital hairs Shirley anymore. You call your armpits your pits? I do. <laughs> Oh, okay. Everyone, just so you know, Campbell has arrived. Well, first of all, we can't. We can't. No one can hear you, Ray. No one can hear you. You can hear them, but you should mute yourself. Oh yeah, you should not be talking right now. So everyone, everyone in in the world that can see us, um, you should know that my sister is joining the show today. I have to change my shirt because I have on Ray. Ray, mute your screen. <laughs> Thank you. What is this? Is what I'm talking. This is what I've had to live with, Stephen. Do you see what I deal with? Could you imagine if growing up with your sister, you could just mute her screen whenever you wanted? 
Oh, I did mute her. It was called a jab in the mouth. That, yeah. That's how you. <laughs> that's how. That's how you mute your your sibling growing up. Oh, really? Pow! We used to we used to play dirt clawed wars where we would what? put Tommy, my was my little brother, and we put him in the part of the backyard that did only have dirt clods, and then my part was just rocks. And so it was just a you know just in the oldest story of of military superiority. So I'm uh, guessing your baby brother would be throwing clumps of dirt at you while you threw rocks at him. Exactly. You're a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I just throw rocks at him and that's how he became an army ranger. Was <laughs> Is he? Um, yeah, he was in, in the army. He is no longer there. Um, but he cited uh, the, the abuse he got from his older brother as one of the main reasons he went into the army. So I don't, I, oh, wow. I, I guess you thank me for my service. I, I, I don't. What did he really do? You know what I mean? What could he have really accomplished without your abusive behaviors as young cherubs? Nothing. Right? Nothing. Agreed. Nothing. He, would, he would be cleaning toilets in the Navy instead of probably would. the army. I don't probably know. would. 100 I don't know how any, I, I listen to him when he tells me about the army, but I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it in any way, shape, or form. I don't get it. Do you remember the movie Big? Yeah, yeah. Remember, he was like, I don't get it. And then he, like, figured out how to be a corporate executive for a toy company. Uh, that's not the greatest example of white privilege. Like, that's, he, he's, a, he's a boy who gets cursed to become a man. And in the span of, like, less than two days, he becomes an executive for a major toy manufacturer and they promote him like day three to like lead the whole team. <laughs> Which would happen in real life. Like that's the greatest, yeah. big is the greatest example, is a great example of my privilege. That's hilarious. Yeah, not the greatest. I feel like there's a whole, there's a whole library of Congress. There is? is uh, oh, some other stuff happened? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was, well, I guess I would say most of the library of Congress. I don't, I don't know if that's actually. I feel like um, the greatest example is that I have yet to be asked how my week was. Um, well, we were, we were really delving into how I threw rocks at my brother. And I feel like that was very important, but now how was your week, Frankie? How, how are you? You know what, Steven? Um, oh, Jared put in the comments. He asked, you know what? Jared did ask. Thank you, Jared at Comedy Hub. You are the true hero. My week was, was cool. Um, I got to do a bunch of auditions, which were awesome. Um, and, and I feel like I did really well on them and I actually now can watch myself tapes without crying into my hands, which is a big step for me. That is a milestone for sure. What kind of, like, can you say what kind of stuff you're auditioning for? And what does that process look like that you're, you're just on zoom? <laughs> yeah. So you've done one with me, um, you know, for the, that one show you did that audition with me and I actually got that part. Um, and that was just like. So I use my Zoom camera because it's better than my phone camera. And so I use, you know what I mean? I use my computer and then I record it through Zoom and then I download it to my computer and then I download it to my phone and then I edit it together. And then it's probably a way easier way to do it, but that's how I do it. Mm. Um, but it's just like, basically, you've seen like tapes of people acting a scene into their camera by themselves. So that's basically it. And then you send it to casting and then a group of people sit around and then they laugh at you for like you're an idiot. And then they talk shit about you and then they decide if they want to laugh at you and give you a job. 
That's how that wow. works. That sounds not not very fun. Not very fun it's, at all. Well, it's getting fun, more fun now because I'm feeling more comfortable. So I feel like what I'm putting forward is better than what I've been doing. Um, but aside from that, uh, I I got my first vaccine shot today. Okay. Yeah, I got the Pfizer. Pfizer. I'm number two on Thursday. Oh, Thursday is number two. My number two is May 4th. May the 4th be with me. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's, that's that. going to be super fun. I have so many jokes for that now. Um, so what do we got to talk about today? Um, why don't you break it down? It's your, it's your story. So, for, so before we actually get there... Yeah, it, well, I mean, it's our story, but you're you're the the, the antagonist, whatever. You're the bad guy in the story. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so, so, listen, uh, folks in nonprofits land. Before we delve into what we're doing here and, and why, I want to just put this forward. Um, Stephen is not the bad guy in the story. I wanted to do this episode, and I I wanted to do it this way. Um, my brother-in-law just told me in the chat that it is always me. That's the bad guy. And that is not wrong, but, um, (laughs) but he is a white man. So, uh, but, um, so the reason we're here, I think that it's important because I feel like a lot of people feel this way. A lot of our white allies probably feel this way. Oh, that's my sister. Definitely. My brother-in-law just called me a whore. I'm like, he would never say that. So that's clearly my sister. But anyway, um, I think a lot of people may feel this way. And I know some of my, my BIPOC family may be watching and feeling like, well, that's not your responsibility to make anybody feel. And I get, and I get all that. And yes, you're right. It's not my responsibility. It isn't my job at the same time. I am a human person who believes in redemption. I believe in um, being a part of a problem rather than a part of a solution. And I wanted to do this episode because I felt like it was important. Um, Similar to, I have another show called By the Way They're Gay that I do with my daughter. And we talk about a lot of things. And on one of those episodes, we're talking about parenting. And I was very excited. So I'm like, I'm an awesome parent. I kill it at parenting. And then she brought up about the time that I spanked her when she was little. And how traumatizing that was for her. And I had to sit in that with her and be uncomfortable because it was, I don't, I didn't have the right to stop her or say, Hey, I don't want to talk about that publicly. That, that wasn't my place. And I, so I had to sit back and listen to her story and apologize and, you know, make her, make sure she felt heard, seen. And no, I don't spank my daughter anymore. That was literally, I want to say she was probably eight um, when she, when I spanked her, but since then, in that moment, I realized how bad it felt for me, and I could only imagine how it felt for her. So moving forward, spanking is not something that myself or my husband use within our household. All of that said, um, I use that as a parable because I feel like oftentimes when we have these conversations about race, about systemic racism, about white privilege, our white counterparts, our allies can feel uncomfortable. And no, it isn't our job to make you feel uncomfortable. However, I brought some of my favorite whites and my sister, who is also one of my favorite whites, to talk about <laughs> to talk about how we can feel better. So, Stephen, let's talk about what happened with us, and then let's bring our um, friends on to talk more. Cool. Um, let's let's M Night Shyamalan it. Let's start at the end. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we had a show last Tuesday uh, with Mother Lab. Shout out to Mother Lab. Um, and. It was a discussion on how black women are treated differently in uh, medically than the rest of 
the United States. Um, after the episode, I called you and said for episodes like that, I need to be prepped because I need to know what, uh, what conversations, where the conversation is going because as a white dude in a room full of black women, I just need to wrap my head around the conversations that we're going to have. So backtrack. Uh, I, I had, thought I cussed his ass out. <laughs> I, I, it, in backtrack, that day I had just had a day-long argument with my girlfriend. Who is, who is black. black. We need to be clear. She's um, black as well. And throughout our relationship, um, she's very heavy on the... Uh, I, I understand that this is not the way most people mean it. This is how she meant it was. Uh, anytime that I talk about a success that I have had, or anytime I talk about an experience that I had at an early age, um, it very quickly goes to a conversation about this is because of your white privilege, including talking about any stories about my dad, including, uh, including any stories of, uh, we went on a road trip. That was a whole thing. Whatever. We had had a whole day argument about that. The week before, I had had a week of com- a week of uh, comedy shows where um, very just very often, especially in Brooklyn, uh, white dude is the butt of the joke. The week before that, we had had a conversation with Hawk and Giovanna Newsom from Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. Love them. Shout out to Hawk and Giovanna. You guys are amazing, and I want to marry you both. Okay. So say all that to say, I just, I had a moment of weakness. He had a bad white person moment. Like he just had a bad white people week. You know what I mean? It was just like shit on white folks. And Steven was like, but I'm one of the good ones. There was just like, there was like one show that we had where I was like going up next and the whole crowd was literally chanting fuck white people. And <laughs> I was like, I was just like, God damn, like this is- <laughs> It sucks. Like, I mean, it sucks. To He's say. not being figurative. Like, this was literally in a. a, 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 a no, sorry. Not fuck white people. Fuck white men. But. Uh, fuck white men. Fuck white men. It's it usually. That's men. usually the only way I can come, by the way. As, as, a, chant, as a chant, this shit rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> and so. At, after that episode, I called Frankie and I was like, I just, I need to be prepared going to these conversations because. Look, the whole time I was like, oh, word, mm-hmm, for real. Yeah. I, feel you. I was, I was feeling fatigued at the moment. Uh, and that was a moment of weakness. And so then Frankie and I talked it out and, um, you know, I am a person that, <laughs> Tries to be a very good ally, very good person, um, raise money here, protest there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I enjoy being part of these conversations, but there was just a moment where I was like, fuck, this is getting hard. But that's, but that's why we're here because that's, it's okay to have that moment. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, Hey, you have to feel good about it all the time. You better smile and stuff that shit down. That's not realistic. That's not at all what I expect. And that's not what anyone should expect. However, it's a, it's about how you deal with it. You sure. know what I mean? You, you can't, it's, and that's the, the parable I gave you. Like if I have Corona and you have terminal cancer, I'm not going to call you and be like, oh, 
man, I can't wait for this Corona to be over. I am so sick of being, I'm so tired of being sick. Sure. What? Are you fucking kidding me? You have terminal cancer. So my issue, I need to go talk to my doctor. I need to go talk to someone else that went through COVID. I don't need to be talking to you about it. You know what I mean? And so that's what this conversation about, it's not about hate or, or for me or everyone to gang up and be like, hey, Steven, you did it wrong. Yeah, no shit. You got that message, right? But I want to, I feel like it's not my responsibility, but I do have it on my heart to bring some people together, some of my favorite whites, and talk to our <laughs> white followers, viewers, <laughs> and give you guys some tools and, you know, just things to, to think on and ponder. Um, and with that said, I would love to bring on our guests. I'm so excited. So literally, you can go ahead and bring them on, Jared, and then I'll introduce everyone. Literally, I always am like, this is one of my favorite people. This is one of my favorite people. But I swear to you, my absolute favorite person is here. That's my sister. She's like my... No <laughs> I was literally about... I was waiting for that. But I'm sorry, Steven. My absolute favorite person is here. My number one stunner. That's my sissy. And her husband and Jackie and Alice are literally some of the people that are most dear to my heart for their own individual reason, for their own individual reasons. I consider them family in my, in my heart and soul. Tim, I'm legally bound to, but whatever. <laughs> it's in the contract. Send <laughs> the contract. So thank you guys. Can you just each go around and just give a quick snippet, introduce yourself and just a little bit about your background and whatever like kind of social justice work you do or have done. We'll start with Jackie. Uh, yeah, first of all, Stephen, you're so brave. I just want to take a moment and celebrate. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it's really, uh, really good to meet everyone. I'm Jackie Steele. I am uh, a comedian. I do lots of different work in the community. I'm a member of the uh, Lesbian and Gay Advisory Board for West Hollywood. I also do um, a lot of work with the Unique Women's Coalition, which is a Black women trans-led organization here in SoCal, the first. Uh, and I am an official accomplice of that org. So, yes. um, yeah, so we cause a lot of shit and we have fun. I love that you called yourself an accomplice. I fucking love that. Love that. I'm, I'm taking that now. Yes, I'm a social justice accomplice, bitch. Yeah. Okay. Talk an ally. We're done with allies. Be an accomplice. Get in the Yes, show. I love it. Alice, I've never seen your mouth hang that wide open. Please tell everyone who you are. <laughs> I have a big mouth, so you're going to see it. My name is Alice Wetterlin. I am a comedian. I'm an actor. Um, you can see my work on Resident Alien, uh, which is a series that just came out. And I am involved with um, White People for Black Lives here in Los Angeles. I'm also involved... Uh, tangentially involved with Justice LA um, here in Los Angeles and I come out for Centro CSO when they protest um, and uh, but I'm not an I'm, I'm looking to graduate to accomplice because <laughs> ally has been my moniker for a while and accomplice feels that's like a that's a new level so I'm, I wouldn't say that my work is uh, super I'm not, I'm not like a board member anywhere. Um, I'm always looking to be the person that shows up. I'm like, where can I wear a suit? That's kind of my <laughs> self -it. I'm like, do you need anybody with a suit to show up? And everybody's like, no, just wear this t-shirt. But I'm waiting for that day. Tim and Ray, can you please both introduce yourselves? 
Good job. I was, I was like, and he better let the black woman go first. I'm going to drive over there. I'm only 15 minutes away and I'm going to do the rest of the show from their house. Okay. Ray okay. Freeman. Do it anyway. Um, hi, I'm Ray Freeman. I'm an actress as well, a yoga instructor, and I am captain of Team Tiki, which is an adventure racing team that races to support black lives, black maternal health um, here in the D.C. area. And I'm also Frankie's sister. Older sister. Whatever. And <laughs> I also, if you, Alice, find anywhere, anyone looking for someone to wear a suit, I'm happy to uh, <laughs> jump on the suit bandwagon. And I secretly stalk Jackie Steele. <laughs> oh, yeah. She said that she imagines that Tim is you when they make love. So just so you know that. All right. <laughs> it's all fitting together. I, so my name, <laughs> my name is Tim Clinton. Uh, some of my favorite women are black. I am um, I'm an attorney at a law firm called Clinton and Pete. I've been doing uh, mostly plaintiff side work for the last 15 years, a lot of civil rights and uh, civil liberties type work, um, especially anti-discrimination work. Um, also, you know, member of Team Tiki and we're doing this adventure racing thing to, to raise awareness about black maternal health. And it is happens to be this week is uh, black maternal health week um, because black moms have maternal mortality rates are like two to three times higher than white women in this country. And we have one of the worst uh, maternal mortality rates in the entire developed world. Um, and that's, that's me. I've cared about this issue for a long time. And I think uh, ever since I learned I was white, which was about <laughs> 20 years ago, and I've lived much longer than that. <laughs> then a uh, quick question for you, Tim, why is the black woman in your life behind you right now? Ooh, that's where she one. prefers to sit. She can keep her eye on me. Oh, oh, that's smart, right? You don't want the white man behind you. Oh, very smart. No. Can you see her left hand? I don't think (laughs) no one knows what's in it. (laughs) I thought it was crammed up your ass and she was working your mouth. Is that not? Is that not? (laughs) That was last week. That was last week. Okay, great. Different stick today. (laughs) So I'm going to actually shut the hell up, and and I want um. Okay, it's not that big of a shock, Ray. It's not it's not that big of a shock, Ray. But I I would love Steven thinks it is. So I also cocked my head a little bit. My mouth remained closed. Well, I want to be quiet. I would love for my white friends um, that are here with us today to just speak to I don't even know what to call it. We got to think of a name for it, but just fatigue when it comes to being white and now living in this space where, um, you know, you've had this privilege, you know, you've never really had to deal with, I don't want to call it discrimination because that's not what it is, but you've never had to deal with the truth. I'll put it that way. You know what I mean? And having it kind of, you know, crammed in your face at high velocity everywhere you turn. Is that a bad thing? No, because we need to be truthful. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, we're at a point where we, got, we, we need to tell the truth. We need to talk about what America is, who it's been, how it was built and how we can be better. At the same time, it can definitely be tiring. So what do you guys do? What's some suggestions? Let's, I would just like to start that conversation. Yeah, I think the first, well, I mean, I, I think the first thing is, you know, if you, if I ask every one of my black friends, if they ever had a, uh, you know, a, a racist action or a microaggression or something that every single one would say, absolutely. Yes. Right. And then if I turn to my white friends and say, they'd be like, well, that sounds terrible. So the math doesn't add up, right? Like the numbers just aren't there for like no white people I know to want to cut the bullshit and be like, yeah, that's me. I can, 
I, you just have to start getting honest about it. Like, yeah, I remember in seventh grade, I did this. I was fucked. I didn't at the time. doesn't matter what I knew or didn't know. That's what it was, right? Bottom line. I think we do so much justifying as well. So um, for me, I think when there's moments of fatigue, and there are, you know, my, my, um, my partner's black, which I don't normally say, but for the purposes of this conversation, um, I usually don't because I find it so fucking whatever to say it. But um, for the purposes <laughs> of this. My sister's very excited now. Uh, I know. I know. Sorry, no. We are one step closer to, you know, one step closer to the door. You didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> moment for you to end the show. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but we've had these conversations as we're in fatigue. There are these moments of all this stuff going on and like, for me, what I find is when I'm getting fatigued or when I'm feeling sensitive, I just have to check my privilege yet again and take a minute, shut up, think about what the source of that is and try to figure out like, why is this triggering you? Oh, because you're mm. making it about you because that's what you've been trained to do your whole life. So can I, can I ask? So I think that there's, I grew up in like an Irish household where it was just tamp that feel, those feelings down and shut the fuck up very often, right? Mm. Um, and I, 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 I feel like that is something that I need to call upon now sometimes. And like Frankie and I were having this conversation and Frankie, feel free to hop in. But one thing that works for me is just kind of toughen the fuck up and just, and even if you have a feeling like this, it is a feeling that is not it pales in comparison to what other people are dealing with. So just shut the fuck up and deal with it. Um, or do you have more of a, cause it, cause it's it, the reason I say it is because it, you are saying more. So look at where the root of that problem is coming from, deal with the feeling and maybe that's an upbringing thing for me that I don't really, I, it seems more useful to me to just, kind of tough it out and not let it be something that bothers me. Does yeah. that make sense? It makes sense. I think, uh, I think two things. I grew up in an Irish household, so, you know, <laughs> nobody ever shut the fuck up, but they certainly told you to bury your feelings, but sure, I, sure, sure. Five, so I was 26. You know what I mean? I get it. I understand. But I think that you, I do also think that's escapism a little bit. I think yeah. when you're, you know, bury it and it doesn't compare with someone else still kind of as a hero move. It still centers your like braveness, right? It's maybe not intentionally, but it feels like that's going, I can hold myself back because they're going through something so much. You're still not like, it's really hard to rip that apart. And like, you might need to take a beat or take some air or whatever it is. But I've, cause I've done that too. And I'm like, well, no, no. I'm like, no bitch. Now you're still making yourself the hero of this fucking story. And that's mm. not it. The bottom line is you feel this way. If it ain't about you, you shouldn't feel anything about it other than does anyone need my help on this or not? And if you're, if it does feel something about you, then you need to sort that out between you and you. So, so the, here's my concern with the stuffing it down part, right? Um, less about, you know, centering whiteness or centering yourself and your experience. My concern is this, when you're feeling, having ill feeling, ill feelings about a thing, right? And then you stuff them down and you harbor those feelings tend to grow. Then the next feelings that come down, meet those other feelings. And now they have a bigger team and now more feelings are coming down. And so that can not only cause mental health issues, but it can also change your view about social justice. In my opinion, right. just when I'm, as I'm you, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, yes. well, now I'm harboring these feelings now kind of fuck black people a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and you know what I mean? And so that's my concern that so with often. like, 
Huh, <laughs> I do. I do most nights. My husband's black. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> most nights. It's not always bad. Okay. I hate that I brought you all here. I hate that you're all in the same room. This was not a good idea. But so, do you, do you see my perspective on yeah. that? Like, I feel like that's the, the not the right answer. It's well, just stuff it down and, and just kind of man up and deal with it. I feel like there has to be, and, and and I don't think it should be commiserating with other white people because that too, like, hey man, thank you, husband. Hey man, I've been having a bad day too. Me too. You know what? We should start a group. What should that be? <laughs> what should that group be called? I don't know. Let's look on the internet. Yeah. Hey, they have a group here we could we're, join. We, we're right. going to well, more in touch with our power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree, but I also feel like if that's where you're at on your journey, Stephen, with, with it, it's okay too, because you're on a journey as opposed to a having arrived at a destination. I don't think you're talking about like, oh, I'm just going to stuff my feelings down and I'm never going to do anything else. I mean, I think you're having a dialogue with yourself about it too. So at the same time, I mean, I, I come from a place of immense, like, self-compassion first. Like I know that that's centering myself, but at the same time being a human, it's important to me that when I have conversations with myself that I remember, you know, I'm trying to do good and I'm trying to create a space for people to be safe. And I'm trying to increase um, the possibility that other people feel good. So that's all like love, you know? Like when I talk about any kind of allyship, it's always like, it has it this is cheesy, but it and, and as a comedian, tough for me to say. It's love. It's it's about love. It's about love for other human beings. And it also has to come from love for myself. And uh in sp- like when I feel fatigue and I feel discomfort, oddly my experience is maybe gonna be less common, but like I I don't feel fatigue as much as I feel times when I need to calm down and my uh, own rage and my own like when I have big emotions my ego gets involved a lot so it's really important for me to like not allow like my um, actions and my activism to become part of like a self-promotion like mm-hmm. making sure that I'm okay like you know what I mean like I have to be like okay bitch you're good you love yourself you love others like let's just chill and like not you know, um, like for instance, going to protests for me, I know that there are certain protests I don't, I'm not useful at because I punch people. And like, is that always the greatest thing? You know what I mean? Like it really, like, I'm not a deescalator. I'm just not, you know? And so I have been working with that and like learning how to show up and be useful Right. And not a liability to the organizations I'm trying to support. (laughs) It's funny, but it's also like there's people like me, you know, I can there's certain certain parts of my personality can be useful and other parts of my personality I need to check, you know. So I think like the stuffing it down thing is like that's a part of your personality you need to work with and like encourage to how do you work through those emotions and sit with your discomfort without creating you know a weird whites only space which yeah and I do wonder if that whether whether I'd like to admit it or not if like some of the activism stuff kind of does become part of the id a little bit and so when constantly being told that you know you have a crowd full of people fuck white men and I'm in the back like 
but like I'm okay, right? Like I'm, but I'm doing, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like obviously, like not articulated like that, but I'm sure that that is part of the root of it. That it's like you kind of do start to identify with like, but I'm doing everything I can do, right? And how come these people can't all tell that I'm, you know? I, and and again, not articulated like that, but maybe that there is some sort of root. It that that yeah. Yeah. To me, like those times are so, um, I think this is such a great opportunity, to be honest. Like the hard times are the biggest, like where you can learn the biggest lessons and you can get the, you can get the most growth going on. Like the fact that comedy is no longer a safe space for white men and it's actually like the opposite of that right now is is a great time for white men to either like... I mean, you can either become part of the solution or part of the problem. And I think a lot of people are becoming part of the solution because it's like you can sit in like when you sit in those moments of a room chanting, fuck white men, you can go like, okay, this is at me. And it's like, (laughs) ouch, right? But at the same time, like you can also like, if you let go of your ego entirely, what if there's a moment where you can be like, oh, how fucking tight is this for people who are not white? right now like how awesome is this moment (laughs) you know like when bill burr went on snl and was like like raging on white women and stuff it was like a lot of it for me was like oh great here we go because like bill burr's right but then there's all these guys who think they're bill burr who are gonna and i'm just like can't wait and they did but at the (laughs) same time like worth it maybe because like I think for black women or women of color or just people of color in general to see a very well placed prominent white man on national television, take this, take white women down a peg. I don't know. Like it was glorious. If anyone's wondering my temporary discomfort, probably worth it. Right. For what it did for people. So I had to weigh that. And it, and I only know about that because of my experience listening to people. So like, you know, it's it's like a it's like a ladder. You you're ready to go to the next step and then you take it. I had a very complicated, that's fucking dramatic. It's not that serious. I had a different response <laughs> to that. And that was uh, you know, I just wish any one of these mainstream comics could do their social justice work without taking women and queers with them. I don't give a fuck about him attacking white women because, like, sure, you know, high five. Um, but of course, in that same, you know, which is I feel like, again, I'm a queer and this is where my intersectionality just runs fucking, it's a constant conversation. So you want to talk about the conversation, Stephen, that is a, that is a battle that I have to have on the reg um, because I'm also all queer all day and I'm not having anything other than that period point blank. So it's difficult. Right. So like in that sense, I'm like, yo, fucking dope. Like super great that you said that, but you just discovered pride. That's part of your fucking award-winning set. That's a part of your groundbreaking thing that everyone on earth is jerking you off about because you just discovered men in short shorts and tank tops. Get the fuck out of here. Like, can you not stand in your whiteness without taking queer? Do you know what I'm saying? But it's, that's, I celebrate it on one hand. On the other hand, I'm like, shut the fuck. Just don't fucking talk about pride. You lived in Boston your whole life. You never seen a fucking man in short shorts. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Tim, I know you wanted to jump in. I was just, I mean, I can only speak to my own experience, right? And that is. Well, you're a white man. You, I feel like you can speak to everyone's speak experience. Yeah, you're, we, you're the most objective person here. <laughs> I, get it. I, think, <laughs> I think that like a lot of uh, my resistance when, when there's criticism, racialized criticism or gendered criticism, white men do X, Y, and Z is rooted in a fundamental, like two things. One is that we don't really tend to think of ourselves, white men especially, 
in gendered terms or in you know group membership terms, we don't think of ourselves as white men, right? And it takes a while. I was I really was wasn't joking when I kind of learned that I was a white man. It's like twenty mm. some years ago. I mean, I grew up mostly in northern Wisconsin, wearing cheese on my head and taking a week off of school for for deer hunting season. And I thought <laughs> that was just like normal. Um, and then I later you were the I whitest was, man. Yeah, That's what you going, found out. going to like polka fest and shit. <laughs> and I thought like. Did you really go to a polka fest? All the time, yeah. That yeah. was like it's a, it's a thing. I can't, I can't tell if you're joking. So. That's it's really yeah. a thing? So it's yeah, real. it's a thing. Oh yeah. So I just thought, you know, I got to college and I would just thought that was like normal and everyone else was like in relation to normal, which was that. Um, I was wearing cheese around my head, you know, and because the Packers were in the playoffs, of course. I was wearing cheese and people were like, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Like what a cultural statement. <laughs> um, and I remember saying like, oh, it's because I'm from Wisconsin. We're the dairy state. And it's like dairy month. So we're celebrating my cultural heritage. And then I, I was totally joking. And I realized, wait a minute, I have a cultural heritage. <laughs> like, I actually have one. Um, and so we're not thinking in terms of being generalized, being part of a group. And we just resist that because we've grown up with this idea of rugged individualism and everyone is like judged on their merit. And so we think of ourselves in terms of individuals and we think of others in terms of their, their membership and groups. We're just not comfortable thinking of ourselves belonging to a group and being judged because of our membership in a group. And it's, it takes some getting used to it. Like literally everybody else with every other type of life experience at some point in their life is judged based upon the group to which they belong, except for white men. And so we just need to suck it up and get used to that. And the other thing I think that drives a lot of our discomfort or white people's discomfort in general is this false binary of like racism as good slash bad, like this idea of like intentionality as the, the problem in, in with race. And the it's really just a function of socialization and, and history and culture. And like, you literally can't avoid drawing stereotypes our brains are just hardwired to they have these fast traps and slow traps in them and you can't help it memory is inherently imperfect we don't remember things we our brain is constantly filling in gaps and that it, it's a sort of external force so it's Not like mine, if you're an yeah. actor or if you're an athlete and you you watch film right and someone tells you oh look you're you know your drop actually slow or you're doing this weird gesture that's like super weird you need to stop that He's you know like you don't you don't take it personally because it's not it's not something you see right that's literally why athletes and actors why we study film to see the sure. things that we don't ordinarily see and you know you shouldn't take it personally because you weren't trying to do it but that that's mm -hmm. what these conversations are they're opening our eyes to things that we didn't see we shouldn't feel like someone's accusing us of intentionality and we should use those opportunities mm. and they're going to happen over and over and over, no matter how much of an ally you are, no matter how long you've been doing it, because if you went right now to like, like Harvard has this implicit attitudes test. Tim went to Harvard. He's been waiting oh, to throw no, that I'm in. He's been waiting to say that this whole fucking time. Okay. We get it, Tim. Go I'm ahead. Really what did it take? <laughs> okay. So if you have you ever had lobster at the Little Red House, huh? In Harvard Square? Have you? I have. Okay. I'm no. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so you, go, you can take this test, right? And it will measure your implicit attitudes on a bunch of different things you can kind of look at at them you you can't trick the test no matter who you are you're going to have implicit biases um mm. when you associate certain things with certain other things so and i don't know all the different ways that they they can slice and dice this but you you know you'll do a test where you click one button if you see a white face click another button if you see a black face right and then mm -hmm. it'll say click one button if you see like 
a feline type animal and click another button if you see like a simian type animal, you know, like ape or chimpanzee or whatever. And then it'll mix them together and ask you to associate like white faces with, you know, cougars and panthers and lions, right? And then black faces with apes and chimpanzees and monkeys. And it'll see how quickly you do that. And then it'll reverse. And you'll find that you have people have this cognitive dissonance. Everybody, white, black, we, we, because of the way we're socialized, we're going to, we're going to affiliate black faces with like apes and white people with felines. And we, we think of one in a positive term, we think of another in a dehumanized term. Mm. And that's just something that we learn. Our brain has that. Now it's an opportunity for reflection and to, you know, to fix it. Yeah. Right. That word opportunity, Tim, it's like so, um, it's so integral to the work, any work that I ever do with this stuff, because um, it, if I, if my perspective is that of like every disc, every moment of discomfort, every time I'm, you know, knocked on my ass by somebody on Twitter and called out or, um, in real life, um, called out for an implicit bias or an unexamined idea that I have, like the discomfort in that, like, um, it sucks, but the word opportunity is a big part of how I get through it because it's like, there's, there's, I love puzzles and I love like logic and I love like learning and I'm really into that stuff. So when I am in a moment of discomfort because of my own actions and I know I've caused harm, like that sucks. It's really terrible, but it's also like, okay, well, I know this discomfort is going to lead to revelation and it's going to lead to a moment of like greater understanding of the human condition. And I feel like the way I frame, um, my own awakening about any issues regarding people that have different experiences than me. Uh, it's like, I, the, the further I get in understanding more and, um, practicing more empathy with everybody, like the more I live in reality, like a greater reality. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it has it has enriched my life in a way that like no amount of discomfort could be like no amount of discomfort is like is problematic for me if I get to live closer to a reality. Do you know what I mean? And understand more people's experiences. And it doesn't mean that I get to be like friends with more people or like more at the cookout or whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about like my, you know, my own ability to live in the world and be useful when needed, if if needed, and if not needed. Right? It's so like, um, I I just think that's that part of it is so rewarding to me personally that like, and that is centering myself. But like we, it's I feel like in that sense it's okay because I am I'm a human having an experience. Hey. My sister just said you can come to the cookout. Quick question for Ray. Are you a sapiosexual? Um, Because you were eye-fucking the shit out of Tim while he was talking earlier. I was like, okay, girl. Okay. I'm all into intelligence. Me too. I was saying... Attorney billboard shit. So I can hear him talk smart. Hilarious. Because I was still over here like, "Mm, I'm going to drive over there and get him a little bit. Like, (laughs) and you were just. You can have my sloppy seconds. No, if I'm not first, I'm calling the police. You know how I roll. Anyway. 
anyway, Alice, can you, can you, um, I feel like you've had a, actually you and Tim, I don't know Jackie's story. Maybe she does too, but I feel like both of you guys, Tim and Alice have really interesting backgrounds where you did missionary work kind of growing up, right? Tim, or am I a lunatic? Oh. You did, right? And mm-hmm. Alice, your mom. I did mom... a lot of missionary position. It's <laughs> <laughs> not funny. Oh my God. Don't, 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 don't give me that. <laughs> I can't take this show. We need a repeat of this. This needs to happen. I'm a horrible person. No. <laughs> Throw me off. I'm here for it. I am here for all of it. Never leave. But I, but you, you, your mom, your mom, your mom was a social justice warrior as well, though. So, like, you grew up, right? Or am I a total I'm- SJW in every, like, to a tiring degree <laughs> that everybody was annoyed by at all times? And, like, I'd go to be like, okay, great, we're on a what? What's an FJW? Oh, a, so, an SJW. Oh, like, SJW. it's a, it's a right wing term for, uh, you know, people who do activism on the left. And, like, we'd, we'd be on our way somewhere. You know, and like I'd be like so excited. We'd be going to like fair, you know, uh, visit some friends or grandparents or whatever. And like my mom would be in a gas station, and she'd be like, "Is that woman being abused over there?" And like, oh, and I'd be like, "No, I don't think she is." Because look at the time, you know, or like, "Oh, is that native person being harassed by the police?" We lived near a reservation, in not a reservation, but an an. Indigenous Community Outreach Center in Minneapolis. And like my mom was just like, people, she'd get, always intervene if the police were speaking to a Native person in our community. And I would just be like, I want to go to swimming lessons now. You know, like, and so it was a huge part of like my understanding of what it meant to be a good person was um, being super vocal and involved in sticking up for people in your community. And my mom basically from a very young age was like, here's the deal. You're white. And I think she did her very best to try to educate me about what whiteness meant and that whiteness was a thing. And that... Who didn't happen? I was in the middle of my speech about allyship <laughs> and my okay. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. I That's apologize. It. I That's it. On. I was done. We went to protests, and it was and it was. And Minneapolis is a very political city, and there's a lot of there's a lot of creativity in that town. There's a lot of. Um, I mean, I grew, I just, I grew up with the benefit of mm. the privilege really of a lot of like being surrounded by a very diverse, um, just community of, of support. My first babysitter yeah. was, um, he wasn't trans. He was, a, but he was a drag queen professionally and would often babysit so me in drag. And Shut up. He would babysit and drag? Because he would be oh, babysitting so me awesome. on his way and he knew how much I loved it. You know, and he also knew how much my dad hated it. <laughs> and so my mom and him would like kind of conspire to like ruin my dad's life. Um, I love this. So much. I love your mom. Can your mom come on next time too? Uh, she'd love to. She actually really, really would. Yeah, her mom loves me. We did, me and, me and Alice and I did. Alice has a, a muse at six. What time is your muse now? It's, well, I don't do it anymore. I do a show on Wednesdays at eight now. Okay, well, she used to have this show and kind of like at the height of a lot of the protests, um, we had this conversation. It was really beautiful. One of my favorite conversations that I've had with. And yeah, it was so good. And Alice's mom was in the audience. 
And um, so somehow a comment came to me that Alice's mom loved me. And I was like, um, can you tell her she's my mom now? And I love her too. So yeah, her mom's wonderful and fantastic. Tim, can you tell us about your missionary work when you were a kid? But yeah, I grew up in Northern Wisconsin, an unincorporated town. So not enough people to bother um, counting. <laughs> and <laughs> when I was uh, finishing up third grade, my dad decided to become he was a evangelical Christian and decided to be a missionary um, out in Taiwan and basically driven by by compassion and their their values and their their ideals. They essentially sold everything. They abandoned the house like they couldn't sell the house. So just like, screw it, just give it back to the bank um, and moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and moved to um, Taiwan. And we lived there for three years and they were doing missionary work. And I remember like you know, walking around feeling for the first time, feeling like an other, right. That was the one time I was like, Oh, okay. I'm different. Like I'd walk down the street and people would point at me and say in Chinese, they'd say, you know, big nose and foreign devil. Right. My dad would walk, my dad six, four. So like he'd walk down the street and grown men would like jump and try and touch his head. <laughs> you know? That's the equivalent uh, of white people touching our hair. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, my parents, my parents are so like, they're just completely devoted to the concept of love for other people and self-sacrifice. And it took me a long time to also realize that they were also deeply devoted to American imperialism and paternalism. And because those things are so baked into both religion and, and this sort of American exceptionalism, whatever. And they're waking up to that now. It's, it's amazing to me as older white people, the, their own journey and the way that they're you know, kind of waking up to these things, because again, that's why it's so important to me to be able to have these conversations about intentionality, because mm -hmm. they're just so deeply devoted to, to self-sacrifice and giving for others, and then just blind to the ways in which they harm other people um, mm -hmm. through, through ignorance. And so, you know, it, it, these conversations are very challenging with white people. And I think there is, there's also just, there's a blindness there's a lot of these conversations are so frustrating with with members of my family um because i'm like dude have you read the bible like ever you know like, can i also say a very white thing to say amongst white families like dude have you read <laughs> yeah, the bible yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know because the cognitive dissonance between the the values and the the lived values is so dramatic and and the ways in which I really think in so many, in so many cases, it's a sort of ignorance. It, and, it, and it's so challenging to break through and mm -hmm. to have those conversations. And we can't control other people. We can't convince other people. Um, our job is to, to think about ourselves and continually try to improve totally. you know, the way in which we walk around the world. So you know, all we can do is, is, is walk, walk softly and humbly. And I think a big part of that journey, you know, Alice, when you talk about opportunities you know, looking at these conflicts as an opportunity, it, it's also, we need to learn humility. And, mm -hmm. and you know, the American, having lived overseas, like <laughs> we love this idea of everyone is special, right? Everyone is unique. And like, we need to learn that like everyone is, like we're all just people. Yeah. We're all deeply oh flawed. I'm, I'm pretty fucking special. I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, uh, I have to say, it yeah. might go for most people, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 
I feel like that's true for Alice, Jackie, and Ray. I feel like we're gonna uh, have the hard pass. Everybody on this Twitch stream? Because it seems like this is a message specifically for white men. Okay, there we go. Go ahead. Sort of um, that same thing you were talking about being an identifier with a group, because being part of a group, being part of a community, being part of like. Uh, a a minority community you have the ability to be one of you know Mm -hmm. as opposed to just be that individual all the time and um, I think for me a huge part of being able to be useful in these spaces at all has has been like my journey in, in sobriety and my own recovery because that is the only place where I've had a spiritual experience and I've been able to have a um experience of humility because I'm not necessarily like I'm not a humble person and although most white people are not alcoholics I do see a lot of that resistance to um humbling oneself and there's a lot of resistance to um yeah there's there's a lot of like adherence to the idea of like uh self and I don't know, objectivity as be like being a natural thing that it occurs because you're just an individual observing things. And that's just, you know, and I have like, I now have an experience of being able to be like a worker among workers, which is a phrase you get in 12 step a lot. And I have that experience because I have a spiritual connection to a community, to a higher power and all that stuff, which is not something that like a lot of modern whites get to experience because there's this individualistic sort of like me against the world, um, which is, it's, 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 it's a disease of like not having a spiritual connection. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be like a Christian or a, a God or whatever. So white like, people are the devil. Got it. Um, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> that is what I meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, correct. I, I think one, so this is something I was talking to Charles about last night, I think, um, is that our, our white friends and allies have to, come to terms with this fact, right? And that is when you say, when you're talking about me as an American, you would say black American or Asian American or Puerto Rican American. And when you talk about white people, you just say American. So American is synonymous with white. That's what that, that's what America is. It's what it's, it's who it was built for. Um, and so what the goal here is, is to break that down and not in a way that tears white people down. It's whiteness, which you know, I don't know how you do it, but you have to separate it from your sense of self, you know what I mean? Which is probably, I can't imagine, but probably very difficult because I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Were you, you know, oh, okay. I thought someone was saying something. I'm sorry. I took the first shot today and I'm having some weird, like, Audillary hallucinations, but is that the weed? No, but but my my point is, is just Jello shot. Show <laughs> is sponsored by Johnson and Johnson. Actually, do have that Nipsey hustle, but my my point is just this: is that you know you have to be you have to start learning how to separate your identity from whiteness mm-hmm. and understand that we are all fighting against the same thing because whiteness is just as bad for white people as yeah. it is for everyone else. You just don't know that it is because it feels good to be on top, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's also, uh, 
it's also true that there's not really a there's not a there's not a there's not an education that white young white people are getting that's like um truthful about what the uh mm-hmm. place of white people in this country has been and is and i guess where i'm at with the journey of understanding history is that like essentially white people are pretty much a guest in this country an uninvited guest who has overstayed its welcome in many ways um but a guest and a lot of people i think misunderstand their own place in this country as being Mm. like um of the land in some way and in fact it's the opposite and so i've started to kind of try to frame i mean because the reality is that you know natives the native people who lived here have more claim on the land than the white people who oh my God. stole it. So and much then more claim. We also didn't build it. You know, it was up to Asian Americans and Black Americans to build the country. So yeah. we didn't do much except for profit off of it and just overstay and overstay and overstay. And so, like, I guess for me, it's like, what what does the world look like if I'm a guest here? A guest mm-hmm. that's overstaying. And what can I give back from that perspective? And it doesn't actually make my experience. This is the thing I try to talk about the most. Is it like knowing things that make me uncomfortable about me and my whiteness doesn't make my experience on earth worse. And like, I try to tell white people that because I try to say like, sitting with discomfort, like understanding I'm wrong about things and that I will continue to be wrong about things, feeling humiliated or embarrassed and like eating it and like digesting it and processing it. It does not make my experience on on earth worse. You know, like it's, I've made mistakes in public. I've I've said things in my jokes that are like ableist before and anti-trans and I've made those and I've made people really not, I've made people experience harm and like, knowing that and trying to fix that and work with the stuff that I've done, cleaning up my mess has not made my experience as a comedian worse. Mm. It's not made me less funny. It's made me more funny. I think... Well, no one's gonna, sorry, Stephen. Oh, sorry, go for it, Jackie. Also, like, no one's going to die if you say the words, I don't know. It's okay to not know. We don't... No one has to be an expert on everything. In fact, most people are an expert on a fucking single thing. And yet... <laughs> Struggling through the world, baby, doing it with such command, like you bitch, you don't know shit about shit. People walk through the world. I mean, I talk to people all over the the, the country just because I travel for work and shit. So you got some real, you know. The other thing is we live in such bubbles, right? So when you're in other parts of the world and country, and, and to what Tim was saying, uh, also like you just get different perspective. People aren't talking this deep. No one's walking this road in the middle of Kentucky, in the middle. Not that no one's capable of it and not that people here are that damn great either because there's just racism everywhere. It's just every which way you can shake a stick. Um, But the the people just don't walk through the world that way. And so a lot of times I say to people, look, no one's saying that you haven't had to work your whole life. When you say white privilege to people, that is the one thing. And you said, I had to realize this, like, this is like, what are they railing against so hard? Oh, this is a person who gets up, goes to work, puts gas in the truck, da da da, and thinks they bust their ass every day. And so, who are you to tell them they were born with something when they feel like, and in their own, from their own lens, they've mm-hmm. had to work for everything? You have to step out and understand, too. You know, it's not all of just this. You have to know what is their lens, what is their experience, and how can you relate to that experience? Otherwise, you're never going to bring them along. They're ne- yeah. It's going to be just them. Um, I feel like there's, um, it's like one of the things that I've 
said before is that like I, I know that I'm liberal for how quickly I hate somebody for not knowing what I saw in a documentary the night before. That is the thing that like like I would yes. I would catch I would catch myself like all the time being like I can't believe they're going to fucking Sea World. I saw Blackfish last night and like you know like um, but it's this thing that's like very difficult to like I. I consider myself lucky for some of the shitty stuff that I've had, right? Like I grew up in a part of Southern California where 23 friends died. I was one of the only people to make it out. And so because of that, I'm able to empathize with the understanding of like people not being able to make it out of the hood. You know what I mean? Like not being able to make it out of a place. I grew up in a very Mexican area that we were taught all the time about how, uh, how the Spaniards took over, and stole the land from from the people that were already living there and so like i was i considered lucky to have kind of a starting block ahead of a lot of the very uh my my whitest of counterparts and so it's kind of this thing is as you go through the journey realize that like there are people way behind you that don't know like just don't know shit um and like I don't know. That's always a difficult conversation for me to talk with people that are way further behind in the learning process. Yeah. And I think it's like being on stage, just connect, 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 find a way to connect, find a way to relate. Find a way to connect. And then, and then push your way through. I mean, my mother, when I grew up, you know, I grew up slightly differently, you know, just riddled with drugs and alcohol. And yet I survived. How, how did it happen? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Happy accident. So, um, but my mother would, very similar to yours, Alice, actually, like she would just take care of people. She would be like, you know, this was Charles. I mean, we'd go down to the dinner table and she would be like, who's this guy? This is Charles. He was on the green, he's hungry. Now he's not hungry. Shut the fuck up. And he, there was no, that was it. There was just, she yep. would bring people into the house. She would give people rides places. And I do the exact, I did it two days ago, the exact same thing. And not like in a whatever way. It's just someone's hurting, someone's in need as a human I can see it, I can feel it, and I don't want that person to be hurting. On the flip side, my father, when I was young, maybe like 11, uh, just used the mm-hmm. N-word like it was, you know, the and a glass of water. Just, and I, I, I finally said to him, look, these are my friends. I can't live in this city with my friends. This, this is my life, and this is how you're going to talk. I can't have you in my life if this is how you're going to talk about people that I love. So either you figure it out or I'll move out. And I was 11 years old, so... And that was oh that. my God, that's the cutest slash most amazing thing ever looked at. I am a, I will get the fuck out of here, okay? I will fucking leave. You're going to have to pay my bills, but I'm getting out of here. This Powerpuff Girls backpack is full of my stuff. My yeah, exactly. I've got all my stuff to we're, at the, we're at the end of the show, guys, which I'm very sad about and also cannot believe. But I, I would like to go around. Um, Stephen and I will go last. But I would like just any final thoughts you want to share. Um, if you would, please. I thought you guys were fantastic. Um, Timmy, will you go first, please? I think the message to white people is, number one, you are white. Number two, you need to be humble. You know, recognize your place in society that you you play a role. You are part of that history. You've inherited that history. And your whiteness is and should be part of your identity. Don't separate yourself and don't think of yourself as I'm not one of those white people. You literally are one of those white people who oh. deal with it. Damn. Okay. I mean, okay. Uh, you know what, Tim? I always thought you was kind of fine. Oh, uh-huh. hard. Um, <laughs> Ray, do, do you want... Oh, sorry, yes. Um, so one thing that Alice 
said, well, a lot of things that you said Alice struck with me, but one thing in particular is about how your mom would see someone and notice someone and actually see them and try to help them. And the same with you, Jackie, like, and I think that's very important. And I feel like sometimes white people won't help certain people. Like if they see a, a black person, they won't, a homeless person, they won't give that person something or they won't help them. And I, I just, I feel like it's important to see yourself and everyone else, you know, and I mm. think something that we can all take and learn from, because I'm also sometimes guilty of like, <laughs> putting my blinders on, going to my car. Bitch, my okay. <laughs> wearing, a, wearing a full face of makeup, walking on a show where I look like a before picture and not telling me that, hey, we're wearing makeup right now. But whatever, I mean, it's fine. Okay. Seems like whatever. a personal so, thing. So anyway, yeah. that's my... That's my <laughs> I forget what Frankie said, but that's my two cents. Just be aware ja- of the surroundings. Jackie, Jackie, what are your final thoughts? Um, first I would love to like reconvene with Tim and talk about the whole religious side of it and like the missionary work. My, I have an 80 year old aunt who's just sitting at home and that's part of this whole quarantine timeline too, is like why people I think are so jacked, like more than they've ever been. They're just stuck at home, just absorbing what's being thrown at them. And it ain't, you know, NPR for everybody. Okay. Let's be honest. It's a lot of (laughs) the flip side. And so my 80 year old aunt will call and all she watches are religious channels and Fox News. And even on the religious channels, there's so much indoctrination and so much politics. Anyway, I'd love to unpack that further because I think that's a whole uh, meaty conversation. But I think, you know, the the first question I, I ask as an ally is how can I serve? What do you need and where do you need me? And I think that has to be the question you're asking if you're going to be a performance based versus a performative ally. So just ask how you can serve and then do the work. Alice. Um, great. I, uh, I echo everything that everyone has said and, um, really, I really just appreciate being allowed to be here. And I understand, uh, that that's a privilege for me. And, um, I also just want to, I guess if, if you're watching this and you're a white person and you don't know how to talk to other white people, which is a big thing that it needs to be done and have these conversations, it's super, super, super important to have these conversations with your, um, with your family, with people in your life uh, who are white. Um, A word of advice for me as I am having these conversations from me uh, is that you need to remember that having curiosity is really important. And also um, you can't change anybody's mind unless they know that you love them and care about them. And so when you're having these conversations with especially family members, like have it from the perspective of like, okay, aunt, Mildred, you know, you have this understanding of policing and I have this understanding of policing, but like, I'm going to level with you because you're a good person, right? Like that is the conversation that I keep having with my relatives because um, if I want to change their minds about something and make them understand that uh, the experiences of other people are different and 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 get informed by those experiences, like it's really important that they know I'm not coming at them like... <laughs> So you're the devil and you suck and you're terrible. Like people won't listen if you have that perspective. It's really important that people, you know, like, you know, like you can come over here on this because it's really fun over here where we don't deny people's humanity. It's like the best and you are welcome because you're great. All you have to do is understand that you can't say those words anymore and also agree to learn. (laughs) Come over here. So that's, I would just say like, keep your curiosity and, and make sure that you, let people know that you care about them when you have these conversations. I agree. I um, have a, 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 a phrase that I've been saying where sometimes you have to feed a baby. And when you do, the food sometimes has to be an airplane. 
And sometimes when you're talking to people, the information has to be an airplane. Here it comes. So, you know, yeah, all of that. Steven, you want to give your final thoughts? I'm just glad that we solved racism. I mean, <laughs> well, all right. Uh, <laughs> mm, anybody, can anybody stay on longer? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, honestly, I it has been so wonderful talking to all of you guys. Um, you know, it is a thing where there there can be fatigue, but just know that the fight is a good fight. You know, um, and and even if there is some discomfort, uh, much to uh, Alice's point that a lot of discomfort is what is the precursor <clears throat> to growth. Um, so uh, the the thing that I, I really enjoyed that Jackie had said was um, sometimes it does feel when there is an attack against whiteness that it is an attack against um a person, an individual, and it very rarely is. Um, so sometimes decoupling yourself from that identity and decoupling yourself from um, your own ego can help in that growth process. Um, but yeah, and then also to the point, like I feel it, I guess this is kind of off topic a little bit, but like that's why I love stand up so much is huh. taking these <laughs> ideas that are not palatable and then just the Trojan horse airplane, however you want to say it. And just being like, don't put your, don't put your blinders up. Okay. I said something funny. Now the blinders are up, but I'm already in there, kid. Um, sorry. That was, I was doing well. And then I said, so yeah. stupid. then you ruined it. Leave then it you white man. Don't edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Humble yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My final thoughts are, are just that, you know, I know some people, you know, some of my my friends may be watching this, some black folks, black folks watching this and other BIPOC folks may feel some kind of way because I may have taken away time from an organization we could have spotlit um, to do this show. But you have to understand who I am as a person. Well, you don't have to. But if you're watching my show, you're going to have to respect who I am as a person. And that is someone who firmly believes that we can, as a human race, we can change. We can bring about community and we can make a better place for all of us and our our future generations. And in order to do that, we have to have a space for redemption. There just has to be that. And you don't have to be involved. That's fine. I, you know, I don't mind though. And Steven is someone who I love and care about, who I know is a good person. And anyone watching that benefited from this, I feel like that work is important. I feel like it's equally as important to find these spaces where, you know what, I got it wrong. I fucked up and here's how I can, here's how I can be better. You know what I mean? And so that was the purpose of this. I don't always get it wrong. I know shocker, but I don't always get it wrong. And when I do, I can openly say publicly say I got it wrong. I did it the wrong way. And I I want to be better. And sometimes we have to teach our white friends and sometimes we have to be that sounding board. So this has been a um, very different episode of nonprofits. I have personally loved it we had alice wetterlin tim clinton ray freeman jackie Steele. i am frankie french and i'm Stephen campbell and behind the scenes we have <laughs> behind the scenes we have comedy hub and jared thank you guys so much we appreciate you all for watching next week 
as our 420 episode. Okay, bitches? I will not be sober. I'm just going to let you know that now. We are going to toot, toot, uh, beep, beep. Okay, sorry. Also, the part that I always forget, like the podcast, share the podcast, uh, give it a good review. I don't know how this works. Yeah, Tell your like, mom's share, friends. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah, please, please, mom, share this. Tell your friend's mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you guys. This is the nonprofit episode twenty-one. Episode twenty-one. We're finally legal age. Woo! Hey. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. All right. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. That was very nice. <laughs>